and um, we've been talking about the first things, uh, first worship, um, uh, first uh, order, how God has, has ordered things, and today we're going to continue in that because uh, we're going to talk about time. And if you've ever thought about time, when was time created? Uh, and that's kind of where I, my brain went. You know, when did God create time? Now, obviously, it's going to be somewhere in that first chapter of Genesis. And so you can go ahead and start turning to Genesis chapter 1 is where we're going to go. Now, how many of you remember your first timepiece? Maybe you got a f- your first watch, your first wristwatch, you know, or uh, how many of you wear a r- wristwatch still? Not some, some of you are like, I've done away with that. I have a phone. I, just got, I don't need to wear, wear a wristwatch. Uh, I wear the watch because I can get rid of my phone, right? And so uh, I, don't, I don't need it. But <clears throat> I got thinking, I was like, all, this, all these timepieces, all these ways that we measure time, uh, when, what was the first one? How, what was the first timepieces? Uh, how did people first measure time? And you can go all the way back to ancient Egypt, and uh, about 3,500 years B.C., uh, before Christ, that uh, you can begin finding things like sundials and the obelisk and how they would uh, f- just kind of measure uh, the sun, where the sun was at, by how it cast a shadow. And so those were certain things that they would use uh, to, to measure time. Now, we can measure time a lot of different ways. Uh, we can measure time way more precisely today, but really you don't even need uh, that to be able to measure time. I mean, sometimes you can look in the mirror. How many of you look in the mirror you see time passing? Right? You know things are changing from what it used to be, so you can measure time a lot of different ways. Uh, but as you move through history and you kind of move through, uh, they had inventions. They, they invented the water clock. Anybody ever heard of the water clock? I had never heard of the water clock, just a few of us. And so basically it's like a bowl that empties into another bowl, and they measure, I guess, the, uh, how, how it drops and the, the rate of the water moving from one bowl to the, to the next. Uh, that was about um, 1,500 years B.C. Uh, they did that. The Greeks invented that. Uh, then you move on through history, and they began to use, I think in Japan, they began to use candles to measure uh, time, and they would have clock candles. So uh, as you would set the, set the wick on fire, it would burn down, and they would have these notches on the candle, and every notch designated how much time was passing. And then you can get into the uh, 15th century, and uh, you can begin to find items like the uh, hourglass. Anybody got an hourglass in your house? Taylor, can you bring me my hourglass, please? Um, and I have an hourglass. I think, Raina, I think you bought me this. She was trying to make my office look a little bit more sophisticated. Um, <coughs> good luck, uh, you know. It's a random jumble of things. So anything that's really nice and pretty, she bought. Uh, if it looks like it's trash, it's something I bought. So, But, no, she, she bought me uh, this, uh, this hourglass. It's been sitting in my office. And uh, I'm just going to set it there because I, I have a feeling one day I'm going to break it. Um, but the hourglass came to be around the 15th century. And it's interesting that it, it got used a lot in churches. And this is not going to shock anyone. But they would build these ornate hourglasses, and they would set it beside the pulpit. Right? Here you go. So if you think that I'm going to let this hourglass dictate how long I'm going to preach today, you are sorely mistaken, right? 
No, that's, and that's what they would do. And so they would say, you know, the preachers got really long-winded, so they would put the hourglass up there. And so what the pastor would do is if he wasn't done, he would just take the hourglass and flip it over and start again. <laughs> so I may do that. I may flip it over, and we're just going to keep going. Uh, but, no, the hourglass became a, a, a big part of that. Then you had the wristwatch. Uh, I think it was uh, Blaise Pascal that uh, mathematician and philosopher that had the first wristwatch. He took his pocket watch and actually tied a string to it and began to wear it on his wrist. So that was around the 1600s. And so, so we can see how we measure time in a lot of different ways. And I just go back to that, that question, when did time uh, first begin? And there's some debate about this. If you go to the book of Genesis and just in my readings and studies, uh, there's debate about exactly when God created time. Did God create time when he said, let there be light? Uh, many believe, many ph uh, philosophers and, and scholars believe that that's when time was created, when God said, let there be light. Uh, some believe that it wasn't until you get down to the 14th uh, verse of chapter 1 where God begins to create uh, the sun and the moon and the stars, and, and that's when time began. And so uh, I'm not here to debate that this morning. All I want to do is, is let us start there. So let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 14. Now we started this series and we, we gave you this statement. I want to give you this statement again. The first sets the pattern for the rest. The first sets the pattern for the rest. And that's what we've been going through and just, just seeing how God has created things. God has set things in motion. God has uh, designated things to uh, in a certain pattern or process. And that's what we've been looking at. So the first will set the pattern for the rest. And so if God is the one who creates time, and I believe that. I believe we see that in Scripture, that God is the one who creates time. Whether you believe it happens in the first part of, of chapter 1 of Genesis or whether you believe it happens uh, at verse 14, either way, God's the one that's making it happen. God is the one speaking it into existence. God is the one who is winding up the clock and setting it in motion. And, and so we read here in verse 14, And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons for days and years i want to just stop right there he's, he's saying let them be for signs and let them be for seasons and for days and years and you can see well that's how we measure right that's how we measure things you say well how old are you what are you going to tell me you're going to tell me how many years you are old right now, some of, some of you are really s smart people, and you'll just give me your days. Well, I'm so many thousand days old, right? And everybody's trying to do the math, and you're just confused. It's because you don't want to tell people how old you are, really. It just sounds worse when you do that, though. But when you think about what God has done, you think about him setting time in motion, and he has given us a gift. He's given us this gift of time. Now, God is outside of time, um, but God works in time. But God is not limited by time. We're limited by time, right? How many of you, you just you seem like you're running out of time all, all the time? You need more time. I wish I had more time. I need more time on this project. Uh, maybe you've called your boss and said, hey, I need, I need an, another day on this project. Or students, where are my students at? How many of you, you need another day on that paper? You know, another day for that test that's coming up. I need more time. I need more time to study. And so we're always seeing like we need more time. 
But I think when we look at what God has done, as God has created time, and we ask the question not when did God create time, not just that question, but what can we learn from, from how God created time? What can we learn about how God thinks about time and how God wants us to think about time from him creating time? And so that's where we set this. The first sets the pattern for the rest. And there's, there's just three things that I see right off the bat that I believe that God has done here when he has started time. He wound time up and sent it to, to running. What has he done? How did he do it? First off, God was deliberate. God was intentional about doing it. It wasn't haphazard. It wasn't like, um, you know, he just, hey, I'm going to take a little bit here. I'm going to take a little bit here. Uh, I describe it like my mom and my aunts when they get into the kitchen and they start cooking. They're just sometimes they're just grabbing stuff all over the place, you know, because they've done this for a long time. They're not measuring anything out. If I'm in the kitchen, I'm measuring everything out, you know. I'm following directions, and I get I get flustered if I if I skip a step. And I, what am I doing now? What what did I create? Maybe it's not dinner. Maybe it's a time bomb. I don't know what it is. You know, those are the frustrations and the insecurities that I have about being in the kitchen. But my mom, my mom was in there, and my aunts were in there, and they were making macaroni and cheese and all kinds of stuff. My mom's just kind of taking salt, and she's putting salt here, and they're putting pepper here, and they're doing all kinds of things. I'm like, they're not measuring this out, you know. I, well, how do you know what you got? She's like, son, I've been doing this a long time. Just let me go ahead and do what I, need, I know to do. And, and that's not how God created the world, though. He wasn't just taking a little bit here and a little bit there and just kind of, God, we see, worked in the process, and he was very deliberate because he began to call things into existence in, in an ordered manner. There was an order to how he did. Now, now, how many of you believe that God is all-powerful? I believe that God's all-powerful. I believe that God can do anything that God wants to do. I don't believe that God needed a week to, uh, to create. I don't believe that God needed any more than uh, just a few words, and he could have spoke everything into existence by saying, let everything come to be right now. And he could have skipped right to it and just done everything in, in one. But he didn't do that. God did not do that. And so that is something that we need to take note of. That's interesting to me but that God worked in that. If God could do anything he wants to, and this is how he chose to do it, that's important for us, and we need to take note of that. God was deliberate and intentional in what he called forth, when he called it forth, and how he called it forth, and in the manner in which he called it forth. So, so God is deliberate. He's intentional. God is working in a process. Now, how many of you guys, you like the instantaneous God? We love the instantaneous God. That's why we like the book of Mark. If you go read the book of Mark, all these things, Jesus did this suddenly, and suddenly Jesus did this, and suddenly this happened, and suddenly, 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 we're all about some book of Mark. You know, oh, I love the suddenly God. God is suddenly here. God is suddenly blessing me. God is suddenly showing up. But this, with the process, is something that's difficult for us because we want God to work on our timetable. And God is saying, I have my own timetable. I have my own process. And I'm going to work in this process. I'm going to order uh, things as, as I see that they need to be ordered. And so God is deliberate. He's intentional and works in a process. And God takes time. God makes time to make preparations. And who's he preparing it for? Who was God preparing this creation for? God was not just preparing this creation for dogs and cats, right? That he, although they're part of creation. He was actually preparing this place to be just right for you and me. 
if you think about it and, and you go look at the science, just what has to happen for us to have life on this planet, and if anything gets a little off kilter, either we freeze or we burn up, right? <laughs> and so everything has to be just right. And so God took his time, and in this process of time, he made preparations so that everything could be just right, not just so that we could survive, God's not just wanting us just to get by and just to survive, but he is creating things in a way so that we can survive and thrive, so that we can have life and what Jesus said, have it more abundantly. And, and so this is the process that God is in. God is deliberate. He's intentional. He works in the process. He takes time to make preparations, and he does this, and this is what he calls it. He, he calls it signs and their four seasons. That's why he separated the day from the night, and he says he, he put these things in the sky so that uh, we could have times and seasons. See, ancient Israel measured time in cycles and celebrations. That's how, they, that's how their calendar's set up. It's set up in a cycle that they have celebrations every, every year. There's celebrations at this time of year. They'll have another celebration of, of, of a, you know, maybe Yom Kippur. It may be uh, the, the Feast of Booths. It may, be, it may be all these festivals that come through. They come through, and there's a cycle that they celebrate. Why do they do that? Why did they do that? Why did God set that up? Because I think God wants them every year, every time that this festival comes around and they're celebrating it, to ask the question, who is my source? Who is my source? Who is the God that meets me in the winter and is the same God who makes things spring up for me in the harvest, in the spring, and then when I'm able to harvest it, bring it into my storehouse? Who is my source? That, I believe that's part of what God wants to do is ask, get us to ask that question. But also part of that is to ask what is truly important in life. Because there's a lot of things that can cut in. There's a lot of things where people say, well, this is urgent. I really need you to do this. It may be urgent, but is, is it important? It may be urgent for you, but is it important for me? Because there's a lot of t people who will, who will enter, <laughs> cut in on your time with things that are urgent, but they're not really important. And so we have to be able to be discerning about time and, and how God has given us time and what he wants us to do with this time. Ephesians 5 and 15, and I, I'm going to read it off the screen because it's out of the New King James Version. This is what it says in, in Ephesians 5, 15. Paul wrote this to the Ephesian church. He said, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. He says, be careful how you walk. Be careful how you live your life. He says, see then that you walk circumspectly. Next verse. Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I, I love that phrase. Anybody ever heard that phrase before, redeeming the time? What does that mean to redeem the time? If God has set us in time and he is deliberate about time and works in the process of time and makes preparations in this time for us, what does that mean for us? God wants us to redeem the time. And this this word redeem basically means to go to the market and buy something back anybody ever tried to buy time come on some of y'all drive fast down the highway because you're trying to buy yourself some time right you're running late i'm running late i got i gotta i gotta i gotta make up some time right and and so you either drive fast or you're you're just making excuses <laughs> hey I, I hit a train or something but god has put us in time and he wants us to do well with time. He wants us to be intentional with time. He wants us to work in the process of time. And so Paul encourages us, redeem the time. And what does that mean? God's work is both natural and supernatural. 
God's work is both phenomenal and procedural. That God works in the big and the sudden and the majestic, but God also works in the regular and the mundane where we see time and it's clicking along and it's just like this, this hourglass, these sands. And maybe y'all remember this. Um, what is it, the days of our lives? Like sands through an hourglass, so are the days of our lives, right? Even they got it. Even they figured it out. But every one of these grains of sand began to fall through, and it, it, it's, a, it's a moment. It, it, it's, it's a moment, and it just clicks by, clicks by, clicks by. You can't stop it. You can't pause it. And sometimes it seems like time drags on, and then sometimes it seems like it, it, it picks up faster. You know, I got, I got a son that's getting ready to graduate, and it just seems like, you know, yesterday he was six, seven years old. And now ten years has gone by, and it's like, where did the time go? And, and so we have to do well with our time. We have to be intentional with our time, especially when it comes to our children. So when Paul says this, he says, redeem the time. What does that mean? Redeeming the time is the ability to see the difference between coincidence and providence. Redeeming the time is the ability to see the difference between coincidence and providence. Those things that just seem like an accident. Maybe you've, you've, you've had things happen in your life that's like, is this God? I, don't, I can't figure out if this is God or not. I don't know. Is this, maybe this is just coincidental. You know? Maybe this is just an accident that this happened. But, but maybe this is God. See, there's a, there's a guy by the name of Jonathan Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, and he shared uh, this video, and I, I watched this video, and it, it was amazing. He, he talked about these two Hebrew words, and he said the first Hebrew word is makira. Makira is the Hebrew word, and it basically means mere chance or that's a coincidence. It's, it's, it's accident. It's, a, it's accidental. And he said, this word is a lot like another little Hebrew word. There's only one letter difference. And they get connected. So, makira, it means mere chance, an accident. Makira means calling out. It has the idea that God is calling you out. And he's calling out to you through this moment, through this minute, through this situation if you've ever felt God calling out to you and and he said this very small difference of these two letters and they get connected because we have to be able to be people who discern the difference between what is coincidental and accidental and what is providential when is God is saying hey don't miss this moment have you ever been guilty of missing a moment I have I've been guilty where I've looked back and I thought, man, I missed, I missed a moment there. I missed a chance. I missed an opportunity. And this is what Paul is saying. He's like, be careful. Don't waste your time. Redeem the time. Make the most of every opportunity. Because you can miss these divine moments. You can miss these holy moments that God is calling out to you and says, look at this. Don't miss this. And these are moments that, that I think that just like ancient Israel where they have these times and seasons that God is calling out, and he's saying, don't miss this moment. To every one of us, God is also saying, don't miss this moment. Don't miss this time. Psalm 90 and 12, this is a psalm of uh, Moses, probably the oldest psalm. And if you go read this psalm, it, it talks about just time. It talks about how he views time and how our, our time is short. But verse 12 is where I want to key in on. Psalm 90, 12, and it says, Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days so that we can get a heart of wisdom. 
And if you think about that, he's saying, hey, know that time is ticking. Know that your time is limited and you're not given forever. You may not even be given tomorrow, so you better do well with today. I don't know how many times I've looked back and I've looked at time that I've wasted. I looked at, I've just you know, wasted time here and there. I remember when uh, I was in my early 20s and I, I started working at this church. My brother-in-law worked with me. And so in, in, on our lunch breaks, we would take off and go to my house and we would play Xbox for one hour. Yes. Yeah, sound, <laughs> sounds really good. Your pastor's just really working on that Bible study, you know, right? And I remember we, we would take off. We would we'd go play Xbox for about an hour and we'd cut back to the office, right? And I look back and I say, what a waste. What a waste, right? I got really good at Halo, though. So, I mean, I don't know if that was in, in, in a... But, I mean, I look back and I think there are times that I just totally, I just wasted it. And I want to do better now. I want my life to be intentional. I want my life to be purposed. I want my life when I, I'm looking at moments. I don't want to miss moments. I don't want to miss time. I don't want to miss it with my family, and I don't want to miss what God's trying to show me because I do believe that God is calling out to us, and he's saying, you have this moment now. You have this time now. Use it wisely. Do well with it. Make the most of this opportunity, and sometimes we haven't, and we have to own that. But then there are times where we, we do. We hear God, and it's just like, I feel you. I sense you now. So there's two observations I want to make here, and I'm borrowing this from Mark Batterson. Two observations he made from this, this passage. He says, don't be so quick to get out of tough situations that you don't get anything out of the tough situation. Right? I mean, when that's what I thought when I, when I heard it too. It's a, don't be so quick to get out of tough situations that you don't get anything out of it. It's like when we waste things and we, we, we waste our time and sometimes we waste even our own pain and our situations and circumstances. And God says, I care more about you than that than to waste your pain. I don't believe God wastes anything. God's not going to waste blessings and he's not going to waste pain. And even if we've walked through that, he's going to take that. He wants us to see something in this. So God doesn't intend to waste your pain, why should you? Why should you waste it either? So don't be so quick to get out of the situation that you don't get anything out of the tough situation. Second thing is this. Don't put a period where God puts a comma. And don't put a comma where God puts a period. This is difficult. There are times that we prayed prayers, and maybe you've prayed prayers, and God has said yes. Anybody ever had God say yes to a prayer? Oh, aren't those good days? Well, those are great. It's like, yes, thank you, God. I love it. And then maybe you have those days where God says, mm, not yet. You know? And that's, that's more troubling. That's more difficult because I want God to work on my timetable. And God's saying, it's not the right time. It's not the right time for this in your life, Ryan. So not yet. You're going to have to wait. And we don't like that. Then there are times when God says, he doesn't say yes, and he doesn't say not yet. He says, I've got something else for you than this. And we don't like that. I remember I, I, I prayed for this girl, one girl, to be my, my wife. I was, God, give her to me. Let, me. let her be my wife. And that didn't happen. And I'm so glad that didn't happen because God brought me the one that should be in my life. 
I do. I look back on some of the prayers I prayed, and I thought, that was so selfish, and that was so dumb. Why did I pray that? God, thank you for not answering that prayer. Thank you for knowing better for me. God, thank you for not allowing me to walk down that path. But see, these are things that sometimes we don't get in the moment because God, as he stands outside of time, he sees the beginning and the end, and he sees every bit of of what's in between, and he knows what's best for us. So sometimes he says, there's something else that I have for you. I'm going to ask Pastor Trent to come play. See, there are times when it may seem like God puts a period at the end of the sentence. 